irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. To all things therapy. I'm your host, Lisa Tahir. I'm an intuitive psychotherapist as well as licensed clinical social worker, and I'd like to connect with you. Please reach out to me through my website. It is nolatherapy.com, the abbreviation for New Orleans Los Angeles Therapy. I'm available to take new clients if you're looking for someone to work with as an intuitive practitioner to guide you through transitions you might be facing in your life. I invite you to join my email list at nolatherapy.com. And I want to really thank you right now as my listener. Today's my three-year anniversary show, and I've been consistent to bring you a guest each week who I believe is enhancing our world in the genre of mind, body, and spirit. The theme of my show is changing consciousness, one conversation at a time. And I'm really grateful that you have supported me as my audience. And I invite you to continue to share this podcast with people who you believe may be interested and support my work through your rating and subscriptions on iTunes, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and everywhere podcasts are found. And I also invite you to follow me on social media, on Facebook, on Instagram, under NOLA Therapy, and Twitter as Tahir LCSW. And as a thank you, Audible is one of my sponsors. If you love audiobooks as I do, they offer you a free audiobook download and a free month subscription. You can check that out by going to audibletrial.com forward slash all things therapy. And again, just my heartfelt thanks for encouraging me through your emails. I've been receiving of late some wonderful, positive emails. Those of you that enjoy who I bring you as a guest and that that the latest feedback has been that this 45 minutes is a really powerful, uplifting, and encouraging time. And that means the world to me. So thank you for that support. My guest today has enriched my life both personally and professionally. She is my sagacious mentor and friend who is dedicated to helping people evolve their patterns in love. She's called a love evolutionary. And today we are going to have Catherine Woodward Thomas with us in just a few moments. She is the New York Times bestselling author of both Calling in the One, Seven Weeks to Attract the Love of Your Life, and Conscious Uncoupling, Five Steps to Living Happily Ever After. She, this is an abbreviated list of where she has been featured, places, networks, and media such as CNN, Time, The Today Show, People Magazine, ABC, The Washington Post, The London Times, and BBC News. Today we're going to be discussing her work, including her upcoming six-week Conscious Uncoupling Guided Course. This course starts just Monday, March 4th, around the corner. And some of the things that I like about what she's teaching is how you can use a breakup to regain your stability. 
how you can understand the underlying consciousness of your learned patterns in love. Her seminar is going to teach you about healing your source fractures, how to transform your core beliefs, and setting an intention for yourself, and then to begin to move in that direction with Catherine's guidance and support. So Catherine, I'm delighted to have you on. Welcome. Happy anniversary. Thank you, Catherine. I'm delighted to share it with you. Isn't that nice? I get to be here on such a special day. You were my anniversary guest last year as well as uh, on my two-year anniversary. I know. I remember. That's amazing. Okay, well, we have a date for next year. We have a date for next year. (laughs) This is becoming a thing. It is. So where do you want to begin in leading us in this discussion with a relationship and all your work? Well, you know, first of all, thanks for telling everyone that I have this Conscious Uncoupling course starting on Monday. There's a few things I just want to... Um, share with people um, the conversation that I want to have that, or that we want to share with people today is not just if you're in the midst of a breakup. Mm-hmm. I think that we're all to, to some degree um, left with residue from old relationships that didn't quite work out. Maybe it was a traumatic breakup. Maybe it was just a, a, a deep disappointment in love that you know, kind of is lingering in some way where you're making yourself wrong or you're making the other person wrong or you're kind of wishing it had worked out and and that's hindering your capacity to really be open to new love. Um, so really what, what conscious uncoupling is is a pathway to becoming whole again, to being at peace with anyone that you've ever had a relationship with that ended in a way that left you incomplete. And it, and, 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 in a way that sets you up to actually grow through that experience and be more enhanced in your capacity to love and be loved moving forward in life. So wherever anybody is, whether you're in the midst of a breakup, you're kind of struggling with pain from a breakup that happened a while ago, or maybe you're in a relationship and you'd like to break up or, or you think the other person might be thinking about breaking up. And if that did happen, you would want it to go well. Because I think we all kind of have an ideal. Certainly everyone here is a conscious, caring person. We have ideals about not doing damage, not messing our kids up, um, not hurting the one who's hurting us, You know, not kind of giving into those revenge fantasies. Mm-hmm. And um, and we're all here to grow and to learn and to be the best people that we can be. So that's really what the offering of Conscious Uncoupling is. Most people here heard it through Gwyneth Paltrow, who I was the one who inspired Gwyneth. She, she popped it into the lexicon and I think created a whole new possibility for how we might do this better on a on a public level. I'm very grateful to her for doing that. But But really the program is not just for people who, you know, they're, the two of them are breaking up in a very conscious way, and it was probably going to go well anyway. Really, conscious uncoupling is created for anyone who's struggling with a broken heart, because uh, I think breakups are one of the most traumatic things we'll ever have to go through. So I just wanted to give that context for any of our listeners today about how they might get value out of the conversation. As you're talking, Catherine, I'm thinking of what a powerful transition point a breakup is and love that we once shared with someone transitioning into not not being there anymore and how we can so lose our stability and focus and grounding and and become someone in our behaviors and thoughts that 
that might even shock and surprise us. And we might even not want to be that person, yet we're so thrown by our emotions and, and not knowing how to contain them. Can you speak to that and how that dynamic is? Well, yes, there's two, there's two things that we're working with. Well, three things right off the top of my head. First of all, our biology. Like nature has really designed us to stay bonded. And you begin to see it in the subtle things that happen in our brain chemistry when we're, um, when we're leaving a primary attachment figure, you know, which is our little therapist language, right? But, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're, you're losing a primary connection, a primary relationship that's really been a relational home. And what happens are things like, like when someone rejects us, instead of our brains kind of doing the normal thing that we would hope they would do, which is, you know, lessen our desire for the person who's rejecting us, that makes sense. What our brains does is it actually secretes hormones that increase desire. So why would that happen? Well, it, we're in, our desire is increasing for the person who's walking away from us because nature has designed us to run after that person, mm-hmm. to try and get them to change their mind. Or, um, or even the, the way that we kind of go into fight or flight, we go into attack mode. You know, if someone rejects us, it literally lights up the parts of our brain that, that is the same as we've, where our life is being threatened. Mm-hmm. So we go into fight or flight. We want to create a negative bond with that person now. We're going to start hating the person who once we loved. But hatred is a very, very uh, deep bond with someone. If you're hating someone, you're thinking about them all the time. You're preoccupied. You're, very, you're just as connected as when you love someone. So that's like nature's little trick. Nature will substitute a, a, a positive bond for a negative bond. In nature's, you know, in, in nature's world, it's better than no bond at all. So when we're talking about, you know, um, the way that nature has designed us, you know, w- when we look back a thousand years ago, it begins to make sense because if you wandered away from your tribe, you probably were going to die. That probably was a life-threatening thing. Our world is not like that now. If we lose a primary relationship, you know, we're not going to die from that experience. Um, we're going to, we have a lot of options. We have a lot of uh, support structures. We can, we're mobile people. So the world we live in is not reflective of what's happening in our biology. It's like nature hasn't caught up with our culture. Exactly. The other thing that's, right? Yes. So, So just to know that... You know, when you go, you know, into these revenge fantasies, you go into, you know, all of these big overwhelming emotions. The other factor is that that we're losing a relationship that has been regulating us because our relationships actually serve to regulate our emotions. And for those of you who are not, you know, hip to the psychological term regulate, what that means is that we balance each other. We feel calm. And it's that phenomenon of, you know, the person who's hurting you the most, you know, on a logical level, that would be the person you'd want to get away from. But, but the, again, from this biological perspective, we just want to hear their voice. The moment we hear their voice, our whole body calms down. Feel soothed. That's because we're, we're, we're soothed, right? We're regulating each other. So that, that's a phenomenon of, you know, we get addicted to each other. I don't think it's a bad thing. It's just how we're made. But we have to understand this, that when we go through a breakup, that, you know, that soulmate to soul hate, that devaluing thing that he was, you know, I never liked him anyway from your friends, 
you know, all of those things are really kind of inside of what happens to us from a biological perspective. The other thing is, is that 400 years ago, a gentleman in uh, Venice, Italy, of all places, um, launched something called a fairy tale. And um, he launched that fairy tale uh, at a time when people lived longer than 40 years of age, for the most part, the lifespan was less than 40 years of age, and there were and there were things that were happening on a cultural level, um, such as if you were born into poverty, you were locked into that class for the rest of your life, predictably. You would never escape poverty. And if you notice at the end of fairy tales, they always ended with someone who was poor, you know, coming into great wealth. Yes. That the, that the relationship that they found was about love, yes, but it was also about rescuing from poverty and social upwardability and kind of the happy ending on all levels. And, um, and at the time that fairy tales were, were born, what was happening in the culture is that there was actually a law on the books that forbid a noble person to marry a commoner. Interesting. So, you know, when we, when we look at these, but the thing about Happily Ever After, you even said it in the title. The title of the book is actually Conscious Uncoupling, um, The Five Steps to Living Happily Even After. Did I have a 40 Most slip? People, yeah, you oh. had a little Freudian slip. Well, right, okay. we all so want Happily Ever After. It's so in the consciousness. Yes, thank you for pointing that out. It's so in our consciousness. Well, we all, and what it, what we need to know about it is it's the standard that we hold ourselves and each other accountable to. How long did that relationship last as a measure of was it real, was it valuable? And the moment, you know, if a relationship ends then, but one or both people die, we assume that relationship to be a failure mm-hmm. and we feel shame about that. But the, here's, the, here's the thing, in our culture, fast forward 400 years, very few of us are going to just meet one person, mate with that person, and be married to them for the rest of our lives. That's not how it goes in common culture. And indeed, statistics show that most of us will have two to three significant relationships in our lifetime. That's just the new norm. But inside of that myth, we've never actually learned how to consciously separate in a way that leaves everybody involved whole and complete and not broken, shattered, damaged, limited moving forward. We, we just don't know how to do that. Um, the third thing is that our legal system, for those people who have actually made their love fair legal by getting married, um, our, our, our legal system will promote war. Hmm. And um, and and actually, divorce in America is a fifty billion dollar a year industry. Wow, a lot of people making a lot of money, and it's in the best interests of many attorneys to keep the process going. Now, I say that I had you know the key word is many, not all, because mm-hmm. there's a lot of conscious attorneys out there who are actually hip to this. They've become they're learning to be mediators. They've set up mediation practices. I was just on the phone this morning with a wonderful woman, Michelle Crosby, who founded WeVorce, who's making um, conscious, you know, non-contentious divorce uh, possible for people at a very low price. 
So there's, there's very good attorneys out there who are working against this, but there is a system in place, and not all attorneys are equal because many attorneys, you know, think very nothing of kind of using the hot emotions, the deregulated emotions, the fear, the big anger, the big desire for revenge to, you know, kind of milk it for what it's worth. And people go through their children's college funds and they go through their retirement accounts and they lose the house and all the stuff, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars very often when people don't actually take the time to do this process that I've laid out or, you know, some way of reflecting where you can be at peace with what happened and you're not going to get your own big emotions involved in sorting through your assets. That's a very dangerous place for people to be. It is. So these things, these are things that are working against us having a conscious uncoupling, which is why it's not just an idea, you know, like a, like a, like amicable divorce. I mean, we all would aspire to an amicable separation, an amicable ending. Let's just be, you know, let's move into friendship. But very few of us can do it because we're, you know, there's, there's things that are working against our ability to do that. So what conscious uncoupling is, is my offering to take that step by step and really allow us to do this in a, in a way that's going to create conscious closure, that's going to allow us to shift the form of the relationship from lovers to friends or lovers to co-parents or, or lovers to... You know, I prefer to not be connected with you, but I'm at peace with you. Yes. Bringing I'm not thinking of you process. two years later driving down the freeway telling you off. Right. You know. One of the thoughts I'm having, Catherine, is going through a breakup, how the emotions are so powerful, and particularly when there's a sense of disappointment and the self-blame and judgment we might be engaging towards ourselves and our former partner, and and how you help people to contain the raw emotion, and how a breakup, how love brings up old patterns that I know you call the source fracture. It really exposes those gaps in our development and, and love that we didn't get, that we needed when we were younger, and how that's played out now. And so... Yeah. I think before we can um, even begin to take responsibility for our part of what we have co-created, just how to help people to self-soothe. Because I know for me that's been, as intelli- as we may know with our brain, yeah. that um, all of these things, how to help soothe the body and, and the reactions, the somatic reactions that are coming up within. Well, we have to get a handle on the hot emotions, and and you're absolutely spot on to begin there, because that's where most of us are, and and what's at stake really is is quite a lot because, you know, at the same time that we're having all these out of control emotions, very often we're making key decisions yes. about where we're living and how we're dividing assets, or if there's children involved, what the custody arrangements are for those children. Um, you know, very, very, very big decisions are happening at the worst possible moment because we're deregulated, we're flooded with fight-or-flight hormones, we're going from a positive bond to a negative bond. You know, all of that stuff is happening. So the first three steps of conscious uncoupling are all this inner work, you know, before we start sorting through assets. And the first one, of course, is 
finding emotional freedom and how do we talk ourselves off the ledge because because whatever action we take or whatever choice we make we will really be living with the consequences of those for many years to come as will our children if if we have them and um, I think sometimes we're overestimating the capacity of children to be resilient because they don't necessarily talk about their feelings and they kind of adapt to whatever's happening but um, even if we manage to have a conversation, we manage to create two homes, we manage to not fight when we're passing children back and forth to one home to another, you know, that that's even not the ideal because children are kind of energy sponges. Mm-hmm. And if there's unresolved business between you and your former partner, they're feeling it. And we think, you know, studies show that it's it's not just the divorce that damages children. We we have this way of oversimplifying it. Divorce is bad for kids. Let's stay together for the sake of the kids. No, what what damages children and, and study after study after study has shown this is two parents either at a at an overt war or even a covert cold war with each other. The division, the lack of cohesion between the parents, the unfinished business that's festering in the field. The, the subtle ways that will pull on children to, you know, take sides. Exactly. So I, I'm a big advocate for the grown-ups doing the grown-up work. And I think we all want to do that. We just haven't known, again, how to do this. So, um, so yes, yeah, so we're starting with self-soothing because that's where we are, is that for the most part we're a little overwhelmed mm-hmm. emotionally and um, in a state of imbalance and reactivity and so uh, one of the things that I just encourage people to do is to is to rather than act on the big emotions to press the pause button take a deep breath and just even the simple act of asking yourself just saying your name saying Catherine sweetheart what are you feeling right now and checking in and seeing if you can give a name to your feeling because that all of a sudden language is a container the moment you put language to a feeling, it begins to diminish in its intensity. It begins to calm down. So you're going to say something like, "I, you know, I feel absolutely enraged." Mm-hmm. You're going to really find the right word for that particular feeling. And then what you're going to do is is mirror it back to yourself, "Honey, I can see how enraged you are." And then I take people through a little process where we go even deeper. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. And I help people to see, you know, what's waking up in that rage. In that particular feeling, what's waking up? Well, if you're looking at rage, for example, what's waking up is the reclamation of your right to be treated properly, to be treated with respect, to be considered, to be taken care of, to be honored, right? And usually if you're feeling a sense of indignation or rage at someone, it's because they've behaved badly 
And this is probably not the first time they behave badly. Maybe you've been settling for less or tolerating a lot of bad behavior. And this is an opportunity to transform those very negative emotions that you're having into the force for positive change by saying, you know what, this is my bottom. I'm going to take the energy of that rage and I'm going to point it in the direction of my own transformation. I declare this as my bottom. I will never again be with someone who's diminishing of me. I will never again overgive to try and prove my value. I will never again have my martyr myself for the feelings and needs of others, nor my own feelings and needs. I will never again diminish my standards, right? I will never settle for less. Yes. I and think- from today forward, this is how this is going to go. So it becomes this force, this catalyst for your own awakening. Right. And it's so important to to inquire of those powerful emotions. What is underneath this? What is this awakening within me? Because often it really is the cracking of the egg of how we haven't shown up for ourselves consistently, allowed someone else to run the show where we might have quieted our voice, not not spoken up about our desires. And it's so powerful to start to go from that even feeling victimized to then feeling some anger and then asking more deeply, what is this anger saying to me about myself? And then realizing a pattern of where, you know, we we can totally take ownership change. And and the deeper part is learning where those patterns came from. Certainly these are patterns that were established in our upbringing that we've just fallen into unconsciously. So I, I think it's so important. It is the pivotal moment where the old story transforms, where we start to step into a new way of showing up for ourselves. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I'll tell you what thwarts that, what stops that awakening process, because you've touched on it before. And that is when we go into self-blame and shame. Mm -hmm. And it's such a common place to go. Why did I say that? Why did I not do that? He was asking me for that. What? Why didn't I see that? What is wrong with me? We go into a very deep shaming place. Um, The other place it will go is, of course, blaming the other person. So we're either victimized by the other person or we're kind of victimized by ourselves and our own consciousness that we formed in childhood and our own wounds. Um, and But that kind of shaming, blaming way of processing um, the relationship is not going to deliver this kind of transformation that really needs to happen because shame literally stops growth. Mm-hmm. Shame stunts our growth. We do not grow. And you know how I think of it? It's like, like we all know if you say to, you know, let's say your, your 14-year-old kid starts to gain weight, if if you if you shame your kid, they're probably going to develop an eating disorder, right? If you look yes. at them and say, "Oh my God, you're getting so fat," you can predict that they're going to end up gaining more weight. Absolutely. Like we know that. <laughs> like yeah. you you can see it there, but we still reserve the right to talk to ourselves that way, as though that's going to foster yes. growth. It's not. We it's get sabotages. stuck in it. Yes. So, so the people who are stuck, you know, people write me a lot and say, I've been, you know, thinking about him and ruminating, obsessing for six months. I know I don't want to be with him, but I can't move forward. I feel really stuck. I can pretty much guarantee you that w- the conversation that they're in internally and the way that they're trying to process the breakup is very shaming. They're either blaming the other person or they're blaming themselves. 
So step two, actually, of conscious uncoupling, reclaim your power and your life, is about taking is about doing that um, inventory on the relationship, but you know, really looking at your part in how this happened in a way that's going to foster growth. Mm-hmm. So, so, and and for some it's hard because they're they've been treated badly. Someone cheated on them. Um, someone stole all the money. Someone, you know, did took all their friends or lied about them. Like really egregious thing. People behave very, very badly at yes. the end of relationships. Um, you know, go back to to step one to see why, right? <laughs> so they're in attack mode, and um, so so people do all sorts of egregious things. There's a one of my favorite Japanese sayings is, "You never know your wife until you divorce her." Mm. You know, so because the, these kind of they really do, breakups are a litmus test for character. So if people are stuck with the horror and the shock of how badly the other person behaved. Um, usually it's for good reason. So I never, you know, when we say, how are you responsible? It's never to take anything away from that. So we always want to validate, yeah, you know, that's really horrible and and that feels horrible. And we're hardwired for fairness, so now it's ours to deal with in a way that's going to be challenging. Um, Forgiveness is not the first place we go. Forgiveness is actually right. the byproduct, something well-processed, then forgiveness kind of organically happens. Um, but so, so I always say to people, look, even if it was 97% the other person's fault, what's your 3%? Yes. Because that's where you get your life. Because there's always something we did where we compromised our own integrity. Really. I think something we did or didn't do and that right. is our contribution to what has been co-created, where we're in disappointment and yeah. loss and in and, and the grief process. And it's, and it's often covert. Mm-hmm. So you have to really look for it. Like, I didn't speak up for myself. Yeah. Or I didn't pay attention to the red flag. And in a way that now we can you do know. it differently, which is the hope and the healing, is, wow, now that I'm looking at this, I can choose differently for myself forever. Yeah. Yeah. So it's um so that's what we call the amends. So the moment you say, "Oh my gosh, I knew it. I knew it and I just dismissed my own knowing." I knew it from the first or second date. You know, a lot of the people are processing like a 10-year relationship with a narcissistic person. I ask them, "What happened on the second date mm-hmm. that they skipped over?" And it it really, it's always, it's like, because what we're looking to open up for people when we talk about this amends process, like what's the amends you're going to make moving forward? What's the lesson learned? Bitter pill swallowed. Life lessons are costly. What are you never going to do again? What are you always going to do from this moment forward? That's the, that's the amends. And, um, and you can begin it right now with the people in your life. You begin it with your sister and with your boss and with your best friend. You finally speak up. You finally ask the questions. You finally set a boundary. Yes. Right? And for some of us, it's, it's kind of missing development. Like, well, I don't even really know what healthy boundaries are. Well, guess what? You learned how to drive a car at one point. And I bet if your life depended on it, you could learn how to speak Chinese. Yes. So in a way, your life kind of does depend on it. And it's time to learn what healthy boundaries are. 
time to go and buy a book, time to listen to Lisa's podcast Thank on you. healthy yes. boundaries. Yes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Absolutely. like there's a lot of people teaching healthy boundaries. Guess what? Time is up on the old way of being. You can never afford this again. You've, you've been shattered now. This is the consequence of not having good boundaries. You're not going to be able to get away with it again. But you're a good learner. There's not enough talk about, you know, adult development. I went to graduate school. I want to ask you if this is like this for you. When I was in graduate school to become a therapist, out of all of my years of training, I had one 10-week class on adult development. Oh, Isn't that so crazy? Yes. I had I had It's two, all about adult development. It is. I you had, had two classes. Sorry. However, they were it kept going back to to childhood patterns and nothing about how to show up for oneself, how to how to speak from your place of intuition and your gut knowing, and I've had to educate myself as an adult woman on how to do that and feel like I'm just getting a handle of it at 47. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it wasn't in the curriculum. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people who are not growth-oriented like everyone here, um, they're kind of stuck with their patterns and their ways of compensating for wounds in childhood. So that looks like certain defenses or certain limitations. But those of us here, you know, the playing field is pretty open. So... um so to really begin to think more developmentally when we come up against our own limitations. And so that amends process in step two is going to identify the areas of growth that you need to really take on and prioritize in your life to make sure that this doesn't ever happen again and you can trust yourself to love moving forward. Because, you know, all breakups are crossroads and Really, many go on to live a lesser life in the aftermath of having their heart broken. Um, and so you have to choose to grow yourself into a new version of you, a new up-leveled version of you, a person who is now more equipped to love and be loved moving forward as a result of the choices that you've now made to grow yourself healthy and strong. Yes, Catherine. We're going to take a quick commercial break and be right back. Indeed, listening is the new reading. With Audible, you can listen to an unlimited amount of books at home, in your car, at the gym, anywhere on the go. With over 180,000 audiobooks to choose from, for you, the listener of all things therapy, Audible is offering you a free audiobook download and a month-long subscription for you to try them out. Visit audibletrial.com forward slash all things therapy now and enjoy. Yourself and friends find a purpose in life, then you are in the right place and be a part of the crowdfunding campaign of patreon.com forward slash all things therapy with Lisa Tahir as she initiates a one on interaction with inspiring authors, healing experts, and spiritual directors. Join the League of Heroes of this generation by contributing your quota between a dollar up to a hundred dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash all things therapy. Let's make the world free of suicide, poverty, depression. And in all, make the world a better place for everyone. Welcome back to All Things Therapy. 
I'm your host, Lisa Ta here, and I am with Catherine Woodward Thomas. Catherine, when you were just talking yes. about this this pivotal point and transitioning from once we contain our emotions following a breakup, we start to establish some clarity, some predictability in our lives, and and we're going through our grief process and all the emotions that are associated with that, and we start to transition into a place of taking our power back. What what role do you see self-forgiveness as as playing in this process as you work with people? Okay. Well, so the, so self-forgiveness actually comes in in step 4. Okay. Um just in the way that I've laid it out. Yeah, I keep think going. but I do think that there's an organic uh self-forgiveness that begins to happen when 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 you begin making amends to yourself cuz here's the thing about self-forgiveness Self-forgiveness requires new actions. It does. It actually requires that we begin to show up in these new ways that have been outside of who we've known ourselves to be or outside of everything, anything we've ever said or done before, but that is the right, where we're doing right by ourselves. We're actually living more in integrity with ourselves. So, you know, just sitting on your meditation cushion and saying, you know, prayers for self-forgiveness or just kind of, you know, trying to get there it is not going to really deliver you all the way. What creates self-forgiveness and real, really completion of the egregious errors that you've made in the past um, is a commitment that's kind of on the court of your life where you're showing up differently, you're setting boundaries, you're speaking up, you're saying the thing that's the hardest to say, mm-hmm. not choosing the toxic connection, um, or you're speaking up in a way that creates more health in the toxic connection. You really have to take action. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. So I think then organically where we're going is um, the moment you start to identify how you are the source of something, really what you're looking at are ways that you have been compensating for um, for very core wounds. So, for example, if you have a deep belief that you're not good enough, you might have been over-giving to try and prove your value mm-hmm. in the relationship in a way that trains somebody to be pretty self-absorbed, to not give back, there was a lack of mutuality, um, you got depleted, um, basically the other person, you know, really didn't have respect for you, like that's what that generated. But it was really a compensation for a core belief that you're not good enough. So this kind of leads us right into step three around breaking the pattern and healing your heart. And that really is, as you were saying, deconstructing these beliefs and the meaning that we're making of the breakup. You can you can pretty much know what your core belief is in love by knowing recognizing the meaning that you make of the breakup. I am. Yes. Usually it's some version I'm not good enough or I'm always going to be alone, no one will ever show up for me or I'm not wanted. Like they're really kind of, you know, and they're the, they're the background themes and so we track them back to childhood. We call it your source fracture wound, the original break in your heart. And truthfully, we deal with that at that level. We clear it because none of it's true. Mm-hmm. It was all a story you made up when you were just a little kid with no sophistication to understand why your mother wasn't paying attention to you or 
why your father was raging at you all the time. You know, as children, we just make everything mean something about us. And if you look, if you start to unpack these beliefs, you see that they're very young, they're very unsophisticated. And um, and so we wake up out of the trance and we say, well, what's really true? And then we bring that into, I have a meditation that we do where you bring in uh, like the soul of your former partner, you have a conversation, you're in the center of your power, you clear things from the past and the ways that you were showing up that kind of replayed that story so that you had evidence again for that story. But literally, you know, we we lay out this pathway of graduating out of that story. And that, that so process that, that you, it. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but that soul-to-soul communication is so powerful to use, I think, in various situations throughout one's lives. I've used it often with family members, an ex, a friend. It's a really powerful way to bring completion to something that feels incomplete. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. And so then moving forward with the with the steps that that you outline. Well, so then 4 and 5 now we're dealing with the actual person. Right, the other person and how to have that amicable separation. In four, I call it becoming a love alchemist. It's really shifting the energy between yourself and that person. And there's several ways to do it. There are forgiveness practices for oneself and for the other, but there's also clearing the air and how do we actually have a conversation where we're not like endlessly processing impossible things to solve between us, Um, but we're just clearing the air. We're leaving each other whole and complete. Um, which has to do with the way that you're listening with your heart and you're being touched by the other person's perspective and you're offering to make an amends moving forward if possible. Maybe with that person, maybe with, you know, I'll never do that to any other man again. Yeah, but there's a there's a way you, you know, it's not about right or wrong. It's actually beyond right or wrong. It's just, it's more about leaving people whole and complete. Um, and then there's acts of generosity, to start to build the new relationship and to build goodwill into the field between you. Mm-hmm. Some people are going to choose to not be connected to their former partner anymore, and that's fine too. I'm not necessarily an advocate for friendship, particularly if you know really bad things went down. But you, you still want to be at peace. So it's like how you're going to hold that person and being generous in the way that you hold them and holding the complexity of both the good and the bad, wishing them well. Uh, Step five, creating your happy, even after life, is really about the structures that you're going to create moving forward that are going to set everyone up to win and how to create cohesion in your community so that there's cohesion, there's not brokenness. Mm -hmm. You know, there's sadness because the relationship ends because we're human, we're always going to feel sad. But there's, there's a way we're just, we're setting it all up so that it can move forward and heal in a very whole way. I liken a broken heart to a broken leg. You know, we understand that if you break your leg, you have to go and get it set in a cast. There's a way that that bone needs to be held in place and that it needs time to, you know, and attention to heal properly. That's how we have to heal our heart, too. It is. You know, we don't want to just let time heal our heart because it could heal crooked. It could heal a little too defensive moving forward. So I think that broken leg metaphor works for us. We understand what we're doing. And Catherine, I think I know as well, your process really addresses what's at the core of something that happens during a breakup where we are suddenly 
trying to contain a range of emotions that are contradictory, that are confusing, and and we are complex human beings, yet we really struggle when all of these emotions of disappointment and loss and anger and revenge and joy and love all are popping up and arising within us at once. And this is such a way of combing through it and, and really looking at each aspect and bringing some cohesiveness and clarity to this process. Thank you. I'm, that was my hope because I know that breakups are one of the biggest traumas that any of us are ever going to go through in our lives. And conscious uncoupling is an offering that alleviates a tremendous amount of suffering. And I hear over and over and over again about how many people feel like it really it really saved their lives. So I'm very happy to share it with people today. And and if people want to learn more about the course, um, they can go to consciousuncouplingcourse.com. That's the course starts on Monday. And I also um, you know want to just invite anyone to go to consciousuncoupling.com and see what the offerings we have on the website. Yes, and I do want to share with listeners, since I was on a call, hearing more about your course that starts on Monday. It's six weeks of Monday and Wednesdays with you on its calls one evening and then an online forum another where you're really supporting and working with people who register to work through this process and have your support and have your guidance. And so I think it's a wonderful opportunity for, yeah. for listeners. Well, and, and we're also set up. For people who can't make the calls live because we have online component where there's interactions and people ask questions and then we also have senior coaches who offer coaching calls during the week that are live at different times. So um, I'd say about half the people come live and half the people in the course come um, at, at a different time. But, but thank you for being specific about that. You're welcome. So it, it works for, that actually makes it more inclusive, I think, that there, there are options to, to be involved. There are options. Also, we have an option for uncoupling couples who want to come in, and we have a way of working with people that really helps them to go through the process. Yes. Well, Catherine, I'm yeah. so grateful to have you as a part of my life. I've enjoyed getting to know you over the years and becoming more um, versed at your material. You know I've worked with one of your coaches, and I've shared this with listeners. I've worked with one of your trained coaches for the last couple of years to evolve my patterns in love because we don't come into this world with a blueprint for that. And we right. learn through our families and and. If anyone's done any living, we have all experienced disappointment and loss and hurt that we naturally carry into our romantic relationships. And so it's been exciting to make it my business to change and clear those patterns so that I can be more available to love and being a healing practitioner. So I just thank you. Oh, you're welcome, Lisa. It's an honor to be your friend. Thank you. You're so welcome. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. You're Thanks welcome. so much. Lots of love to everyone. Yes. Bye. Bye-bye. That concludes my show today with Catherine Woodward Thomas, author of Conscious Uncoupling and Calling in the One. Um, I thank you for being with us today on this three-year anniversary show of my podcast, All Things Therapy. 
I look forward to bringing you more episodes over the years. Reach out with guests you're interested in having me interview. And if you're someone that you're interested in being a guest on my show, all my love. You're listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir, only on LA Talk Radio. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.